This show was recorded before the COVID-19 pandemic, but still contains timeless wisdom we hope you will enjoy. The thing that I love most about racing and competing is just being in the water. I was always one of those kids that would beg to go to the beach on the summers or spend all day at the pool just hanging out. That feeling, I feel like every time I get in the water for a morning practice, it's like, you know, it's still kind of cold out, but the lights are on. I've had a cup of coffee and I just feel, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to get in the water. Like I love to just hop in and splash around, whether it's a crazy hard practice or, you know, I'm just at the beach or whatever. I feel that same, you know, drive to be in the water no matter where I am. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast, where your hosts Kelly Palace and Maria Parker share with you what it takes to be a champion. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds Masters World and National Swimming Records, and Maria holds world records in endurance cycling, and was the overall women's winner of the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. They'll be sharing their personal stories and wisdom, along with interviewing other champions to give you the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. And as usual, I am co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Maria, our guest today has a resume that reads like what dreams are made of for any swimmer. He's been on the U.S. national team since 2013. His international experience includes a world championship medal, world rankings, Pan Pack gold medal, and while swimming for the University of California at Berkeley, he won more Pac-12 titles than anyone has ever done in that conference's 58-year history, and he capped it off with a collegiate career senior year by winning three individual NCAA titles and was selected as the 2019 NCAA Male Swimmer of the Year. That's right, it's Andrew Seliscar. But before we bring Andrew on, Maria, please give us a little bit more background on Andrew. Andrew's from McLean, Virginia, swimming under head coach John Flanagan at the nation's Capital Swim Club. Coming out of high school as the number two recruit in the nation because of his tremendous versatility in so many different events. We're looking forward to talking with Andrew today about that versatility and much more. So without further delay, let's bring him in. Andrew, welcome to Champions Mojo. Hi, how's it going? Uh, thanks so much for having me. We're delighted. Delighted. Yes. Delighted. Yeah, Andrew, you know, we always name our shows something and we were trying to decide between Momentum Man, because you have so much momentum going in your swimming career, or I, I could call you the hometown hero, because I have to say right up front for anybody listening that you and I swam for John Flanagan. And I swam for John Flanagan way before you, but having known John for 30, 40 years, he has always bragged about you and what you were doing and how great you were when you were just really young. Like I remember coming in as a master swimmer and he'd point to you in the pool and say, that guy's going to be somebody someday. So um, anyway, it's just great to finally connect with you with the commonalities of, uh, you know, swimming, swimming in the DC area and swimming for John Flanagan. So let's start off, Andrew, by just telling us uh, what you're up to these days. Yeah, uh, it's it's so great we were able to connect and sharing that connection with Flanagan is uh, something I think is really important. I mean, he's someone I owe a lot to. But yeah, these days I'm 
training at UC Berkeley. Just finished up a busy fall competing in the ISL and then uh, really looking forward to these next few months leading up to Olympic trials. Uh, have a few competitions coming up at the Tier Pro Swim Series meets and going to be spending some time in Colorado Springs at the Olympic Training Center. So got a lot on my plate, but happy and just kind of moving through the day-to-day training for Olympic trials. Great, Andrew. So what what kind of, uh, what, what does a day look like for you or maybe a week just of, of kind of what your your training looks like? You know, my favorite weeks are the ones where I'm not traveling and I just get to kind of lay low in Berkeley and focus on the day-to-day swim practices. So um, we'll hit like 10 workouts a week, doubling Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So usually a normal day is I'll wake up for morning practice, come home, hit a nap, uh, and then get ready to lift and swim in the afternoon. Um, I feel like I do my best in training when I'm consistent. So I feel like I have a good routine where I can show up every day with a lot of energy and uh, try and knock it out of the park every time I'm in the pool. Oh, that's great. It's, I read, we read that you, that you're having fun. I read, and it sounds like you, you like to have fun. That's sort of a, a value for you. You, you play the yeah, guitar, right? You have a band. Are you still using, doing your band right now? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, we have uh, a couple guys on the cow swim team that also play instruments. So I play guitar. Another guy plays guitar. Carson Sand and Nick Norman were two seniors on the team with me last year who play uh, drums and bass. So we'll get together from time to time and jam out, uh, annoy the neighbors more or less. <laughs> I tried to find some of the music on, online, but it, I couldn't find any. What kind of music is it? Uh, just like rock, punk rock, anything we can try and cover. So we'll take songs, songs we like on the radio, like Blink-182 or The Killers, something like that, and try and put our own spin on it. But we have a little bit of stuff in the works, but nothing online yet or anything like that. So how do you apply that that sort of love of life? And, and I know you also skateboard, or you, at least you used to. Uh, not anymore. Uh, how, how, does that, how does that apply to your swimming? I think it's kind of similar in a lot of ways. When we play music, it's kind of like swimming in the same sense where I'm getting up in front of people and performing. Uh, so I kind of like to look at it like that. And it's almost like practice in a way, like you get up and play for your friends, you get up and swim and race for your friends. Um, Not totally one-to-one, but anytime I can kind of express myself in something I do, uh, I like to go all out. You swim for your friends. (laughs) Or teammates. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah, I like that. Can you talk about that a little more? What does that mean? Absolutely. I think being at Cal Berkeley, it's such a good tradition of the duality between the college team and then the post-grad professional swimmers. And it's, even though we're both separate groups kind of doing our own thing, it's mostly comprised of guys that swam at Cal for four years. And that bond that we share is really important. So it is really like swimming for your teammates. When I get up on the block and, you know, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot going on. I can always look to the side of the pool and see 20, 30 guys cheering for me that I know have my back win or lose. Uh, and that's really important to me and something I try and uh, reciprocate back to my teammates when they're swimming as well. Andrew, I'd love to have you talk a little bit about your junior year at Cal at NCAAs versus your senior year at Cal. And for those you know that are just non-swimmers, this is a great story. And I like, I'd like you to just expand on it a little bit and tell us what you were thinking and some of the differences. So 
because I've followed you and always cheered for you to win, you know, just like when, I, you know, and I, I, I follow NCAA championships just like religiously. I'm just a, a rabid fan of both men's and women's NCAA championships. And I will tell you that I'm an NC State alum. So I love to watch our NC Staters in there. So I saw your junior year, you know, you're, you have three finals at NCAAs, all of which you could have, should have won your junior year. And you went in seated, seated first in at least one of them. And you come away your junior year with no titles. And a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, Andrew's snake bitten. He's never going <laughs> to win a title. You know, I mean, I'm just telling yeah. you what's out there. And I know this is not news to you. Yeah, totally. And so, and then your senior year, man, it was like your junior year was kind of like the bad side of a coin. And your senior year was like the perfect dream. Like, let me ride out. Let, let me get a, a magic genie and say, this is how I want my senior year to go. And yeah. you nailed it. You nailed it. Three individual wins. I mean, Cal team just, you know, you were NCAA swimmer of the year. What just take us through those two different years and how you got from one to the next, because a lot of people would have just been spooked by your junior year. Yeah, absolutely. That is a good way to put it. I think uh, 2019, my senior year was really, you know, perfect in a lot of ways from, uh, from a swimming perspective, there was a lot of things that went right. Uh, whereas looking back on my junior year, there was definitely some mistakes, some falters, uh, that fall I was coming off an injury and not that that's an excuse or anything like that, but I was working my way through training for months and months through September to December. And yeah, some of that confidence was a little shot having been out of the water for a few months and then trying to get back into the swing of things. You know, we still guys on the team, we still joke about that year because I think we fell short. Texas won the team title that year. They swam great, but we were back by like 11 and a half points like literally one final swim, we were so close. And for me, at least, that was the third year in a row getting second place as a team. So coming into my senior year, it was really backs up against the wall. We got one more shot to do this. You know, let's put all the chips on the table and just, and just see how it goes. So I was really excited to be a part of that team in 2019 and also be a senior captain of that team. I'm really proud of our senior class, we had six guys that all swam four years and we all kind of contributed in our own ways, whether that was scoring points or leading study hours or hyping people up in practice. We all kind of worked together to get there as a team. And then by the time we got to the NC2A championships in Austin that year, it was, I think we had won the meet at that point. We showed up ready to swim and everyone was hitting times. Everyone was in a good mood. So yeah, it was a ton of fun. It was kind of a dream come true to put it together like that senior year after getting second as a team three years in a row, it was kind of, you know, that made up for it in a lot of ways. And yeah, I'm, I'm really psyched about it. Still psyched about it. We got our championship rings a couple months ago this fall and, you know, we've been wearing them ever since. I love how you always talk about your community, your team. It's not, I mean, the question could have been, could have been about your individual performance, but you made it, you made the answer about your team, which I think is fabulous. Yeah. Well, I think all swimmers can relate in a lot of ways when you're training and spending five hours a day with the same group of guys for years on end, you kind of learn to love them no matter who they are. And I think guys put up with each other no matter what. So um, yeah, I love my teammates. Those are my bros. 
That's great. You think the biggest difference was obviously you're motivated to go after title, your, uh, uh, your first ever title under your four years, but the confidence, was that like your own personal confidence changed tremendously from year to year? Yeah. What's your, what was your mindset? That's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I feel like confidence has always been consistent more or less. The big thing for me going into my senior year was learning how to put the blinders on and swim my own race. Uh, and that's something coach Durden talked with me a lot about is kind of honing in on a very specific race strategy that works for me in all situations. I think, I mean, a lot of swimmers can relate, like we love to race. I love to get into a heat with guys and, you know, battle in that sense, but it can be really beneficial to swim the race the exact same way over and over rather than kind of playing the field. Um, both, both strategies work well, but for me, I just learned to hit kick counts, hit stroke counts, move through turns well. And that was something I hadn't really been doing before. I was just going out and racing, which is great, but I had to kind of learn to work smarter and move in a more efficient way heading into big meets like NC2As. That is really great. I love, you know, I could geek out on your swimming. Uh, I don't want to geek out too much, but one of the things that make, you know, made you the number number two recruit coming out of high school and even now makes you such a, such a, have so many great shots at making our Olympic team in different events. And I'm not going to ask you exactly what you're going after, but I, I will say that you know, when, when you look online, you're described in some different bios as a, a butterfly and an IMer. And, and I read that and I'm like, hmm, well, he's like NCAA champion in the 200 breast and the 200 free. So he swim, you swim everything really. Yeah, and so what just like is your favorite thing? Like what, I'd love to just hear yeah. like what just lights you up to swim honestly i in terms of an event i feel like it changes every two weeks <laughs> but no I, I love being competitive in all four strokes i kind of feel like every time i step up on the blocks for a race i want to be competitive whether that's 50 free or a 200 breast right but the thing that i love most about racing and competing is just being in the water i was always one of those kids that would beg to go to the beach on the summers or spend all day at the pool just hanging out that feeling, I feel like every time I get in the water for a morning practice, it's like, you know, it's still kind of cold out, but the lights are on. I've had a cup of coffee and I just feel, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to get in the water. Like I love to just hop in and splash around, whether it's a crazy hard practice or, you know, I'm just at the beach or whatever. I feel that same, you know, drive to be in the water no matter where I am. So um, I think that kind of is applicable in racing four strokes, just trying to be a good athlete and trying to translate strength and drive to do well in any event I'm swimming. So maybe it's just, you're just super competitive. So whatever you're yeah. swimming, you, you oh. want to win it. Yeah. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to go in and aim for third place or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I like to kind of branch out and I think swimming a lot of different events keeps me fresh for my main ones as well. That's great. That is really cool. Andrew, you, you, you know, you seem so positive when, I've seen other interviews or, you know, you, you just seem like, you know, life is fun and I'm having a great time and everything is going well. Have you, ha have you had any obstacles? And if you have, you know, how did you get through those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely. I mean, guys on my team have seen me get mad or be upset. 
I haven't had like a specific, you know, wall in my life that I've come to yet. I think the biggest thing for me the past four or five years has been just growing up. Uh, I think, I mean, I know a lot of people my age, 23, can kind of relate the transition into college and then the transition out of college are, are weird. I mean, it's weird seeing friends move away from Berkeley or people go off and get jobs, people go and get married. Uh, it's all really exciting, but it's a huge change of pace. So I think, you know, just, yeah, just growing up and trying to be my own man, regardless of what's going on around me is always something I'm striving to be better at. Um, and while there isn't like a huge obstacle, I feel like that's shut me down yet. If something like that comes, I think I'll be ready. That's great. It is hard. It is hard to be 23, <laughs> uh, a 23 year old male. I, yeah. Everything's going on at once. Yeah. yeah I, I would love to know how how hard was it to because you're talking to two northern virginia women here we grew yeah. up in the northern virginia area to go from east coast all the way to california was a big jump for you know as 18 year old kid how did you how did you adjust to that absolutely i mean it was it was tough my freshman year it was something i wanted to do like i wanted to get far away from home and do my own thing. And Berkeley was a great opportunity for me swimming wise and to get a great degree. Uh, but it was definitely a huge change of pace living on the West coast and socially how everyone interacts here is a little different. And I think it really, I hit my stride kind of my sophomore, junior year when I had settled in and had a steady, you know, place I'm living, school's going well. But yeah. It, it was really difficult. And definitely that homesick feeling was, was big my freshman year. And uh, something I kind of had to work through over the course of my college career. Do you think you've adopted the Southern California culture? It's Northern California. Uh, Northern California. I'm sorry. Yeah. The the California, I guess it's all the same to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, have you adopted the the California culture? You, you know, it is different than yeah. East Coast. I mean, to some extent, I think like, I mean, the weather, especially like now that I've been living here, I don't really want to go back to Northern Virginia winters where there's a foot of snow or it's freezing out. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely a totally different environment to anything I've grown up in, especially being so close to San Francisco. It's very much an urban area. Berkeley's a big city. So that kind of change in lifestyle was huge, but I enjoy it just because there's so much going on and there's so many different things to do on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. Are the people different, Andrew? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm, I'm biased. I'm grew up in Virginia and my whole family lives in Texas now. So I kind of, I don't know. I think it's just different, not good or bad, but there's always uh, different walks of life. And especially being in a big city, there's just a thousand different types of people you're going to meet, which is very interesting and gives good perspective on what I'm doing every day. I love it. That's such a great attitude. So in your, in your everyday life that you seem to love out there and, um, California. Do you have any routines or rituals or things that you do consistently that you think have helped play a role in your success? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I learned this from uh, Ryan Murphy's big on this, but having really consistent like bedtime routines and then routines when you wake up in the morning, that has been huge for me the past, I'd say year and a half. I don't have like a pre-race ritual or anything like that, but if I'm in heavy training and I take a shower, stretch, read a book before I go to bed, and then I wake up, listen to music, have a good breakfast and stretch before practice, 
if I can just like have those two bookends each day really good, I feel, you know, I feel great in the water. I feel like I have a lot of energy heading into practice every morning. So that for me has been huge and uh, something I kind of think has played a role in my success recently in swimming. So you've just worked out those routines the last year, couple of years. Definitely. I mean, just getting good sleep and it's been a lot easier now that I'm graduated from Berkeley. I'm not cramming homework at night or studying for a test or anything like that. I can kind of, you know, slow down and relax at night and get ready for bed. Do you cook for yourself? Yeah, I cook a lot of meals. I wouldn't say I cook well, but I definitely (laughs) cook a lot. Um, Just for me, it's always about keeping it simple. Like if I can just cook chicken and rice and throw together a salad or something like that, I can do it quickly and I don't have to clean up too much afterwards. So I definitely enjoy doing that every day. Not every day, most days. Very good. So do you go to bed at a set time every night? Uh, Not so much. I'd say I try and get to bed, try and get eight or nine hours. Yeah. But a lot of times, like if I take a nap after morning practice and I'm kind of wired for the rest of the day, I'll stay up, but I just make sure I keep it consistent more than anything. Do you, you, you mentioned that you often take a nap. Is that a, a daily thing? No, I wish I could, honestly. Uh, I get too like jittery if I nap all day, honestly. But no, I'd say once or twice a week, I'll get tired and pass out after morning practice, but not every day. Is there a routine or ritual that you wish you could adopt that you have not yet gotten there? I don't know. I think that's going to be more so when I finish swimming. Um, Talk to my older brother. He swam in college, but is now just working a day-to-day, working a day job and doing his thing. He actually just got married recently, but he always talks about his gym routine and his after work routine, which always seems so much harder than, you know, I have a coach telling me what to do when I'm at the pool or uh, telling me when to be there. So um, right now I'm pretty happy with my routines, but I know, you know, in the future at some point, there's going to be a time when I have to learn how to regiment myself more so. So your older brother swam at Purdue, right? Yep. And how much older is he than you, Andrew? He's about two years older. Two years. He was he one of your mentors that kind of paved the way for you. And if yeah. if besides him, what other kind of role models have you had that you looked up to when you were growing up as a young swimmer? Yeah, Stephen, my older brother, was definitely the first. He a few years older than me, but we still had a similar age where we went to school together, swam on the same high school team. So watching him, he was like a state champion in the 100 back, stuff like that when I was young was a huge motivator to get me going and swimming. And then after that, like you said, uh, my coach, John Flanagan, has played a huge role in my life as yeah, a mentor in swimming and just in all areas of life. He's, he's a super funny guy. I'm sure a lot of people who have been to nationals or pro swim series meets have met him on deck, but he's always keeping a positive outlook and always pushing me to do harder things, pushing me to strive to be better. So even though I don't swim at Nations Capital, I still keep in touch with him and always look forward to seeing him whenever I'm at a meet or at the pool. That's awesome. Yeah. John is a unique, he's, he's just one of the most unique coaches, even though a lot of coaches are upbeat and obviously disciplined and obviously push us. There's just a uniqueness about John Flanagan. I I'm, I'm trying to get him on the show because I think it would be great. Yeah. He would. He's got some crazy ideas and practices and he's always just like, I swam with him a few months ago when I was in DC for the ISL meet at university of Maryland. And it was always 
like I went to the practice with them on a Friday afternoon and just watched his swimmers now who are 15, 16 do, you know, 9,000 straight practices and crushing yardage and doing weights. And it's cool to see nothing's changed, but more so I was just happy to see him and happy to swim with him again. Yes. I, I, I believe John has never missed a workout in like 50 years. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I swam with him from age like 13 to 18, I think he missed one and it was cause he was out of town or something. Yeah. Yeah. He, maybe he was on a national team event or something, exactly. but I, you know, I did the same thing. I swam from nine to 18 for nine years and I, I never missed a practice, but he never missed a practice. It was like just amazing, amazing guy. When you are in these really tough races, what is your mindset? Like what, what would you say sets you apart mindset wise? Yeah, I think for me, I always try and be competitive, whether it's at an age group meet racing kids younger than me or at world championships racing the defending champions. Um, there's a lot of value, I think, to just going headstrong into a lot of those situations where I want to be competitive against anybody I swim against, whether it's the best in the world or, you know, we're at a college dual meet against a smaller school. It's like, I'm going to bring my A game no matter where I am. And I think that's the mindset that myself and a lot of teammates have where we want to give it a hundred percent, no matter the situation. How do you balance that with, how do you balance that with, with the racing your own race and, and, you know, the strategy that your coach your Cal Berkeley coach yeah, has worked with you on. That's a great question. Honestly, I, I feel like I'm still trying to figure that one out myself. No, it's it's all about keeping that balance between doing my own thing and also being aware of what I need to do to succeed. So yeah, I'd say I just kind of keep the blinders on and, and just kind of autopilot through races like that. How do you deal with pain when you're in a race like uh, 200 breasts? So that, you know, yeah. 200 breasts can be one of the most painful races there is. Yeah. I don't know. If, if it's like a 200 backstroke, then the pain, I, I don't know. I can't deal with that. But <laughs> I feel like in a lot of my races, I don't feel it till afterward. Like I'll, I'll swim my race, do good, bad, whatever. And then probably five minutes later, I'm in the warm down pool and I can't, you know, put my arms above my head or, or anything <laughs> like that. So I'd say, honestly, just don't slow down is my advice for a lot of people is like, if you're moving well in a race, just don't think about it. Don't think about, oh, this back half hurts. This 50 wall was bad, whatever. You know, just swim your race. And then if it hurts afterward, it hurts afterward. So what do you say to yourself when you're swimming? Honestly, that's like, I, I feel like really, I just go into like a, like a space where I'm just focused on swimming and I'm not really having a, an internal monologue. It's just like going off instinct. Is there, is there a word? Is it win, win, win or? No, it's, it's like, <laughs> I'll push off a wall and say, all right, go. Like, I got to go right now. And uh, that's something our coach, Dave Durden, talks about a lot is trying to remove the periods of hesitation in a race where you may be second guessing, like, oh, do I make my move now? Like, you know, flip the switch and go when you, when you know you have to. I think I've gotten better at that the past couple of years and something I'm always working on, just going off instinct and uh, having the experience to know when it's time to really turn it on. That's gold right there. That is really gold. So I think so too. What commonalities, Andrew, do you think that champions possess? Oh, that's a tough one. I think the best swimmers in the world or the best athletes in general are really smart about the way they compete. If you look at guys in the NBA or the top swimmers in the world, they're all 
training really hard, swimming with good technique, and then they're being smart in the way they're approaching each meet, whether that's making sure to emphasize recovery or emphasize the kind of behind the scenes mental game that they face when they race. Being smart and being objective about your performance is very important. Being able to, you know, remove the emotion from a bad swim and then watch the film and realize where you can get better. And that's something I've kind of learned the past year or two watching guys at the top level at world championships or at national level meets is even the very best in the world are still learning and still trying to improve in everything they do. That's great. Uh, just a follow-up question to that. So I love the concept of removing the emotion from a poor swim, but what about the emotion around a win? Is it, is it high? Is there joy or is it just like, okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's a tough question. I feel like for me, I've had times where I, if you watch like NC2As my freshman year, I got third in the 200 fly and I celebrated harder than anyone else because I was so <laughs> excited about the swim. And then I've had times where I, you know, win a race, go best time. And I am kind of like annoyed with how I finished the race or a split in the race or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's very hard to know the right times to be excited and to be upset. I think for me, I just, whatever happens, happens. And when in doubt, I can always just get fired up by going and seeing my teammates. Like I remember at NC2As this year in 2019 or last year, I guess, finishing my race and I finished facing uh, the left side of the pool where the cow bears were sitting and they were all flipping out and they were all going crazy after my, my race because they saw my time. And that to me was better than winning the race. It was getting to hang out with them afterwards and just being so excited about everyone's successes that week. You know, I mean, that emotion is unparalleled to anything. I love, I love the pleasure you experience around your community. I think that's just, I mean, those, just I mean, those are the guys that have been spending so much time with the past four years and I really enjoy hanging out with them. Mm, that's great. Okay. So last question, what have we not covered in this interview that you think would be important to share with our listeners? I don't have anything to plug or anything like that. I think if you're a swimmer in college or out of college, like I'm really looking forward to competing these next few months and looking forward to, you know, racing against all my friends. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to plug or anything like that, but I'll be racing in Des Moines in a couple of weeks and then Mission Viejo. So if I see you on pool deck, what's up? <laughs> That's great. Thanks for having it. me. I do. I love it. Welcome. Come on. Come on, people. I love it. I love it. Looking forward to seeing my friends. That is, I think that's the greatest thing about the swimming community is that you just, you've got so many friends. Yeah. Wonderful. Those are the hard questions, but we do have a little, what we call the sprinter round. Cat or dog? Cat. Red or blue? Blue. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Oh, dark chocolate for sure. Kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard. Mountains or beach? Beach. Football or baseball? Football. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee all day. Morning person or night owl? Morning person. Boxers or briefs? Uh, boxers. <laughs> all right. Maria, go for the next few. Uh, I... Uh, okay, so these are short answers, not um, just a couple couple words if you can. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Favorite vegetable? Uh, broccoli. 
Okay. Favorite swim complex that you've swum in in the U.S.? Legends Aquatics, uh, the new pool at Berkeley. Hmm. Something on your pre-race playlist? Uh, the story so far. The story so far. What's your shoe size? 11 and a half. Favorite Star Wars character? Yoda. Okay, Yay! <laughs> Yoda! Yeah. I've, been, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for 50 episodes for Yoda. Really? Yes. Yeah. You're the first Nobody, person. no one has said Yoda. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, yeah, wow. and, yeah, and Kelly, Kelly's even hinted that they should say Yoda, and they still don't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know you can cook, so I want to ask that question. What word comes to mind most when you dive in the water? Let's go. That's two words, but yeah, let's I go. That's I awesome. It. I love it. That's a great mantra. Let's go. Yes. Yeah. Andrew, thank you so much. You've done an awesome job. We're just really, we're going to be cheering for you, of course. Wish you all the best with 2020. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so thanks much for, for having me. Yeah. Thanks very much, Andrew. I really enjoyed it. Well, Maria, what a great interview with Andrew Seliscar. He was such a joy to talk with. Very authentic and wise and just just really, really fun. Yeah, I completely agree. He's He's an incredible young man, really mature, and had some, I thought, some great insights. What do you think? Takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. We've heard from you that your favorite section of our podcast is the takeaways. Thank you so much for that feedback. But before we get to the takeaways today, we wanted to ask you if you would please give us a five-star review. That way, more people will be able to find our podcast. Also, if you could subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, you'll never miss a podcast episode if you subscribe. And please share our podcast with your friends. And now, the takeaways. I think my first takeaway is how he, I loved that he was so competitive. Like that was the theme throughout the entire interview. I think he he said that a number of times and you know he he said my takeaway was that he was competitive whether it was a small unimportant dual meet swimming an off event or whether it was you know the finals of a huge championship meet so I I loved that 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 brought forth the best in him whether it was something small maybe even just a race in practice you know, he races his fellow swimmers in practice every day and he races in it, you know, if it's just a small meet to a very large meet. So he brings his best. And I think that is a definitely the mark of a champion, something I want to take away and, you know, and bring my best, whatever the circumstances. Yeah, I, I, I like that, too. I liked and he seems to enjoy that. You know, I think that's I think embracing that sort of like competitiveness is it brings brings some happiness. Yeah. So I agree with that. Well, my first takeaway uh is about hobbies. <laughs> I I had seen that he has he had a band at Berkeley and a band I guess before in his well, when he lived in Northern Virginia and uh so he he plays the guitar and he also I guess had done a little bit of skateboarding, <laughs> but I love that he, even though this is a man who is very professional, very into his swimming career right now, going into one of the most maybe important years of his life in terms of his swimming career, 
you know, he gets up, he works out, he comes home, he eats, he sleeps, he gets up, he works out, he, you know, he lifts weights, he does everything he needs to do, but he still finds time to do something that he loves that brings him joy. In addition, obviously swimming brings him joy, but something that's completely different hobby. So I think it's just reminds us the importance of doing something that's completely fun that, that just, you know, is, 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 you know, he seems to just really love to play that guitar. And, and that's a great, uh, I think foil for the, uh, the very difficult uh, physical work that he puts in, in the pool. So I think that the takeaway there is, you know, have a hobby, do something else that, you know, that you enjoy that that's a complete change. Yes. And I, I think that's a theme that we're seeing throughout some of our, our big athletes that have, you know, they have a lot of pressure on them. This is the Olympic mm-hmm. year. They've got to perform, they have goals. And I think it's kind of like a, a pressure release valve for them, mm-hmm. you know, that it's important mm-hmm. to have something else. And, and we can take that into our own lives and say, you know, you can't have all your eggs in one basket. You do have to have something that you might, you know, look forward to and enjoy, even if you're striving for something really hard. So I, I like yeah. that as a, that's an excellent takeaway. So my yeah. um, other takeaway, and there were many more than these, but we try to just do two, is I loved his idea of not hesitating. So don't wait for just the right time. And, you know, we're applying this to his swim races where he said his coach, Dave Durden, said, you know, don't wait for the that right moment to make your move in a race, you know, that you feel everything feels perfect or just right. Just don't hesitate. Don't even think about it. Just go for it. And so I like that. Just do it. Let's go. You know, that was his his mm-hmm. saying was, let's go. When he dove in the water, let's go. There wasn't a whole lot of thinking. I know we've talked with uh, you and I being endurance athletes that we, I think you can get into a little more self-talk and stuff in your head. You can get into your head when you're in those longer races. The idea that, you know, he said he doesn't, he doesn't, when he's in that zone, he just lets go. So I like that for life. So when you're out there in the world doing anything that might be a little scary, might be a little risky, might be a little out of your comfort zone, that you just do it without having a lot of self-talk. Yeah, that, I think that's great. He's just like a a hurtling comet. He just goes. And he, he talked uh, off the recording about you know, even coming into the turns, don't hesitate, don't hesitate, just go, go, go. So I, I like that too. I like that. For me, uh, I think I can overthink things. So I like the advice of just do it. Just go. Yes. Let's go. Yes. That's I, his I know, mantra. Is, Let's go. This is so silly, but I even think of elevators, how prior to the Lewis Pugh interview, I was, <laughs> I was off elevators and Lewis got me thinking, you know, hey, if this guy can swim in sub-zero water, I can, I can go in an elevator. So I was with the family this weekend. We went to Disney Park where we had to go through an elevator parking garage. And and I didn't even think about it. But my mindset was just, let's go. I just literally like, let's go. And so I I didn't get in my head. I didn't think about the elevator. I didn't think about the things that I normally think about. Is this elevator gonna get stuck? Am I gonna be in a hot Florida sticky elevator packed wall to wall with people? You know, it was just, Let's go and let's think about what's going to happen on the other side of this. So I know that's so silly, but I can relate to that on an everyday level. I don't think that's silly at all. I mean, I think, 
I think that that's a great thing to tell yourself when you're when you're frozen or you have paralysis or you're afraid. I think it's great. Let's go. Those are two beautiful words. So what was your last takeaway, Maria? Oh, I mean, I, I, I said it during the interview and it's going to stick with me for a long time. The way Andrew loves his teammates, his coaches, his, you know, his bandmates, the, the energy he gets from his his uh, practice mates. I love how he draws energy from his community and it plays off of our love episode. I think that's why he's successful. I think he's in part, of course, other than talent and hard work, he he seems to just really enjoy the people around him and he wants to swim for them and with them. He wants to interact with them. And so he just really loves the community. And I think that is a great takeaway. It's just a reminder that, you know, we're not in this alone. You know, we have people supporting us and we just need to look to them and also support them. And that's going to make everything better and easier. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful throughout the whole, I think that was the theme of it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that will be the name of the, the episode community, yeah. Yeah. Cal community, yeah. but it was yeah. really, he really, he really did bring that point home. And that was, that was a great takeaway that we do have so many people around us in the world that we can, we can call on. And for some reason, you know, sometimes you just don't think to do that. I love it. Yeah. Kelly, you know, I'm, I'm, that's really true. I was thinking about that this morning and you and I had a conversation before the show about something, you know, that's challenging in my life and you were there for me and you, you know, it's, it's that old adage about caring, you know, having, having your sorrows and doubling your joy. I think Andrew does that well. You do that for me and having people around you. And if you don't seek them out, you know, what are those relationships so that you have the community to support you? Absolutely. Great, great takeaways. Well, that is another one in the books. And I just so great to connect with what I I call a hometown hero. So wonderful. Maria, thank you so much for uh, doing this with me. Love you very much. Love you so much, Kelly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This week's quote of the week comes to us from Andrew Salascar. On race strategy, it's all about keeping that balance between doing my own thing and also being where I need to be to succeed. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, visit championsmojo.com to learn more.